0: Now I can look at my own situations or my friend's situations and see that how God is just like molding them, and it's just it, it gives me so much joy. And I'm not saying don't go through the darkness because we have to go through it um, in order to really process things and move forward and grow. But it's just allow It's, it's brought the, the recovery has just brought this whole like lens of faith to my life, which has been so cool.
1: That was country singer Bryn Black, and this
2: is The Share Podcast. It's time for The Share Recovery Podcast, where we bring you amazing, life-changing success stories from addicts and alcoholics all over the world who share their inspiring journey in recovery. And now, here's your host, Oh. Hey guys, and
1: welcome to another episode of The Share Podcast. This is O, and today we're going to start things off a little bit differently. And the reason why I want to do things a little differently today is because the focus of today's interview is on Bryn Black and her song, Daddy's Medicine, that we could start off the episode by playing the song. And that way, for those of you that haven't heard the song, can get an idea of what this episode is going to be all about. Now, she's going to explain in the interview today why she wrote the song, and how her dad's alcoholism has affected her life and her family's life for many years. But the best part of today's interview is just the fact that today we're going to go into a topic that gets brought up a lot. I get asked about this topic all the time, and it's from the side of the family member that is suffering through or battling through their own recovery when it comes to a family member's addiction. So, Bryn is not an alcoholic. She's not an addict. She is the daughter of an alcoholic. And this is her story her story of how she copes and how she deals and her personal transformation through recovery. So, first, let's play Bryn's song, Daddy's Medicine, before we dive into the interview.
3: A stranger in your home, it's quiet but.
1: and moving and you know there's that question that question that we all have when we're in the eye of the hurricane and asking ourselves why does my significant other love their drug of choice whatever that may be more than me you know so when is you know reminds me of the of the movie with Winona Ryder where she plays Bill Wilson's wife Lois Wilson and the title of the movie is when love is not enough And when it comes to addiction, unfortunately, that is 100% true. There is not enough love in our hearts and in the world to get an addict who is not ready to get clean and sober, clean and sober. It has to come from within. It has to come from within them. And it has to come within us to take our own journey of recovery. So I'm excited to dive into Bryn's interview. But first, let's read a few iTunes reviews. And the first one is from S. Buller. S. Buller 88, titled Hope, and they write, this is an awesome podcast for people in recovery. You can count on laughing and crying with these people as they tell their honest, raw stories. I always come away feeling hopeful and with new information about recovery. This is what got me to a meeting for the first time and to ask for the help I needed. I have hope that I can fully recover. Thank you, S. Buller 88. And that is the purpose of the podcast is that it'd be the bridge that people need to find recovery. You know, there's a lot of ways to get clean and sober, but for me, I found it in the rooms. You know, putting a dollar in the basket every meeting, 14 years later has given me a life beyond my wildest dreams. And I know without a shadow of a doubt that any addict seeking recovery can find it in those rooms. So it's always exciting to read when someone has found their way, you know, to hope, because there absolutely is. The next one is Meet Mr. Wise. My weekly dose of hope is the title. I can't explain how much I love this podcast. Every time I listen to an episode, I hear something that I needed to hear. I listen to most episodes more than once. I'm 21 months sober, and I don't go to -to face-to-face meetings because I have too much anxiety, so I get my recovery online and through these podcasts. Thanks for doing what you're doing, O, because you're making a difference. Meet Mr. Wise. Thank you so much for that review. And I hope you're in the Facebook private group. If not, go to the website, www.thesharepodcast.com and just click on the Facebook private group link and get in there. I'm pretty sure you're probably in there because if, if you've got a lot of anxiety about going to meetings and you're getting a lot out of the podcasts, then the private group is perfect for you. You can just be there and stalk. All right. Just scroll down, read what everybody else is talking about, and there's always something that that you can take away from and you can even contribute to because there's people that are struggling with their own addiction, with relapse, with a family member that's using, with a loved one that they live with, that they're trying to stay sober, the other person's not, so there's that conflict, what do I do, I need help, Uh, I'm going to a wedding, I'm nervous about going. There's so much support and hope in that group. So make your way, you know, so I hope you're in there. Um, And again, thanks for the review. (laughs) The next one is from a very interesting author here, Drowsif (laughs) 420 The title is, Amazingly Inspiring for All Stages of Recovery. This could be another dopey listener. Uh, (laughs) So anyway, I would recommend this podcast to any addict still suffering or those in recovery. It has helped me so much. I would even recommend this to normies who need to hear what an addict goes through during active addiction and recovery. Thank you so much for this podcast. Well, Drosif, Drousif, 420 thank you so much for, for this awesome review. And it's true. Um, you know, recovery is not just for addicts. I've, I've said it a thousand times. If everybody, was, if everybody was working a 12-step program, this world would be a much better place. Because deep within a twelve-step fellowship is values, principles, morals, ethics, things that we knew nothing about when we we're out there using like fiends. So I know that there's people in there that are normies, that are family members of addicts that are that are using, and they themselves are not. But you know, being codependent or not being able to cope with. Something outside yourself, which is part of the serenity prayer. You know, the wisdom of knowing the difference between the things I can change and the things I can't change. So, again, thanks for the great review. And then finally, Olivia Camille Oz. God bless you, sweetheart. O and Cher have saved my life. Legit. Because of O, I'm off to detox. I'll be on the boards when I'm out. Olivia Camille. Olivia, hang in there. Back in the group, the Facebook group, I'm sure that's what you're talking about. Um, That Facebook group's about to hit 2,000 members. So guys, if you have loved ones, if you go to meetings, if you have people that are afraid to go to meetings and you think that they'd benefit from being in the private Facebook group, add them in there, you know, bring them on board. Uh, you know, we have people from all over the world. That one was from Australia. You know, um, the majority of our listeners are, are U.S. based, but we have Canada, Australia, the U.K. So you're going to find that you're not alone in there, and that there is help when you actively seek recovery. You know, with that being said, if you haven't left us a five-star rating or review on iTunes, then please take a few minutes and leave us a quick review. You know, it's the best way to support the show. I'm doing my best to share these on all the episodes. It does make a difference. And speaking of making a difference, what else makes a difference is donations. Now, I want to thank, again, all the members that have given donations to share and continue to give donations every month, but for whatever reason, they've slowed down a little bit as far as new donations, and we continue to grow. The Facebook group is now about to hit 2,000 members. Our episodes went from averaging 5,000 downloads an episode to averaging 7,000 downloads an episode, and some episodes are getting 10 to 12,000 downloads with us averaging about 60,000 downloads a month. So there's a lot of people listening. There's a lot of people re-listening. You know, like the reviews, I get tons of emails that rave about the show, that thank me for what I'm doing. There's no question we're making a huge difference in people's lives, and we can really use your support. So if you have the wherewithal to donate to the Share Podcast, you can donate $5, $10, 20 dollars It all depends on what's comfortable for you. But know this, that this is what I love to do. I love to produce the Share Podcast. I want to do more for you guys. I want to do different episodes. I want to change things up and add even more value. But I could really use some help. So go to the Share Podcast website. Top right corner says donate or click on any of the donate buttons and donate to the Share Podcast today. And don't forget to click on the Share Podcast Amazon link before you do your shopping on Amazon. There's a banner on the right-hand side of the website that says Amazon. Click on that before you do your shopping, and it's going to open up a regular Amazon page that has our code at the top. And that also helps finance the Share Podcast. If you can't find the banner, then just type in www.thesharepodcast.com forward slash Amazon. And i will take you right to the Amazon page. And finally, if you have not subscribed to the newsletter, please go to the Share Podcast website, scroll down until the subscribe box pops up and just pop in your email so that we can send you weekly information about the Share Podcast and new episodes that we're planning to launch very soon. I'm very excited about where the Share Podcast is going. We are growing like crazy. There is no question that we are making a big difference in people's lives. So now a quick message from Transitions Daily, and then on to Bryn's story. Would you like to join a free, anonymous online group that offers a daily topic email with popular recovery resources accompanied by a secret Facebook group for discussion? Then go to dailyaaemails.com for more information about Transitions Daily. And don't forget to share dailyaaemails.com with friends, in meetings, and with sponsees in recovery. Hey, Bryn. Thanks for joining us.
4: Hey, thanks for having
1: me. It's great to have you on the show. How are you feeling today?
0: I'm feeling wonderful. I'm so glad to be here on this Tuesday.
1: All right. Excellent. Me too. All right. So, folks, today we have Bryn Black joining us on The Share Podcast and Bryn's new single, Daddy's Medicine is a powerful ballad that tells the all-too-real tale of living with a father who struggles with alcoholism. Since she was a child, her dad has really struggled with alcohol addiction, and it's torn the family apart. A few years ago, he decided he was going to go to rehab, a rehab facility in Nashville, which ended up bringing them a lot closer together. This is not the legacy any of us hope to leave behind, but happens all too often when battling with alcoholism. Wouldn't you agree, Bryn?
0: 100 percent
1: it's actually one of the reasons why 14 years ago i quit drinking and, and doing drugs when my daughter was born
0: mm, good for you congratulations
1: the uh, i destroyed everything else my marriage my yeah. business and it was my life was in the toilet and she was born and
0: yeah, this precious being
1: yes this precious thing she gave me a brand new lease on life
0: oh that's so beautiful
1: <laughs> yes yes thank you thank you i'm very grateful so, before we do a deep dive into your story, tell us a little bit about what you do currently to cope with your dad's drinking problem. In other words, do you belong to any sort of a support group or go to go to therapy or have gone to therapy?
0: All of the above. Um, I didn't go to therapy for a long time, and I don't even remember, but my mom says when she would try to take me to therapy, I'd be like, Mom, I'm fine, which we all know that fine is like a terrible word. But... Um, <laughs> But I would say that, and she, she never like made me or forced me to go. But then, you know, um, once my dad relapsed later in life and it brought up so much and my life was kind of in, in a bad place too. Um, it just, I had to go to therapy. And, and then that led to, you know, the, I went through a family program with my dad when he was in rehab, um, in Nashville. And that was so eye opening and really kind of spearheaded my whole recovery process and inspired this song. And, through that, you know, I, it just really made my recovery a priority because his disease is so rampant and ugly and progressed that, you know, I had to prepare myself for the worst, you know, but I knew that like, I needed, I was still going to be here if something were to happen to him. And so I didn't want to be left in the wake of, of that in shambles. And so I put my recovery, you know, as a priority in my own life. And that's, been wonderful for like my whole family and and um kind of has allowed me to be a good support system for my dad through this process too and he's doing really great now thank god
1: oh thank god yeah that's great
0: so yeah it's been a total miracle but yeah so i go to um i started with the family group and also you know a therapist and um or a counselor i should say and then i started going to Al-Anon and then from there I heard about a program here in outside of Nashville called Onsite which is a 6-day intensive program for just overall uh, emotional healing and um, nice. that was completely eye opening and my therapist there recommended that maybe I start going to ACA cuz she felt like a lot of the work I had done that week was some ACA work and so um I kind of I joined the ACA work group that continued that work and it was really intense but it was 100% worth it it was hands down the best thing I've ever done for myself
1: this is so fantastic this is exactly what uh, I was hoping to hear it's so Mm -hmm. um, I get emails from mothers I get emails from Mm -hmm. sons and daughters and they always ask you know what can I do how can I help them how can I make them stop Um, And the tough answer is always, there's nothing you can do. You can't. Oh, it's so hard. You have to be the best version of yourself. And here's some possible routes you might want to look into, which is just like you, support groups, Al-Anon, ACA, whatever you feel drawn to, but you need to be the strongest version of yourself. And the only way that that's going to happen is not alone. You're going to need to get support from other people that have been mm-hmm. down that same road. So it's it's so awesome to hear that that's where you're going, because that, that's going to make all the yeah. difference moving forward in your life.
0: Oh, absolutely. And it already has. It's transformed all my relationships. It's transformed my relationship with my fa- all my family members, my friends, even my dad, because now both being in recovery circles we can talk openly about that and so it's made our relationship deeper and you know if he's having a bad day he knows i'm not going to shame him for it like he can <laughs> just say like oh i had a trigger today and i'm like well thanks for telling me you know and it's we can talk recovery talk and and it's been really really amazing but also with with aca like i don't know especially being like the child of one i was so so sick of just always talking about the alcoholic like that was the state I was in and now I'm, I'm in a different place with it but that you know ACA is just all about really working on your heart because like they're gonna pick up on those that that energy you know if we're if they're scared to like talk to us because we're in a very reactive state like that's only gonna feed their disease and so I'm not saying we should go to these other groups for anybody else but ourselves but it kind of helps get people in the door that way sometimes And, you know, Bob Goff, this is one of my favorite quotes, but, um, Bob Goff, I don't know if you know who he is. He's a great author and uh, activist and just human being, but he, one of his favorite, or his quotes is, you're either a reaction to or a reflection of the people you surround yourself with. And that just broke me open. And I was like, whoa, I don't want to be a reflection of my dad, but what if he's a reflection of me? If I work on my heart, maybe, it'll slowly reflect on him. And, and I've seen that happen. You know, and he'll ask me about ACA. And I, a lot of people that struggle with addiction, they're adult children themselves, and they're self-medicating, you know, because they've never dug in and dealt with some of their, the places where they, you know, needed more in their childhood. And so that's really Dad's gone to his therapist now and started working on some of the stuff that came up, you know, as I share with him, my journey. And it's been really awesome.
1: It is pretty awesome to be able to talk recovery because it is a language all in and of itself, you know, the the rhetoric involved and also just, you know, being able to share openly, honestly about your thoughts and your feelings and your triggers where it's not a situation where it's like, well, what do you mean? You felt like drinking. Well, why was that? Right. You know, where it's more like it's just an opportunity to open up communications to create that bridge between your family where you weren't able to do so before. Um, So it sounds like you guys have made huge advances in, in not only his recovery, but also your connection as a family.
0: Oh yeah, no, it definitely has. It's um, opened up just conversations with my sister and my mom. It's just brought everything to the light. Um, You know, we, we, we're the kind of family that didn't talk about things, you know, we just kind of kept moving along cause there was always something else happening. You know, my sister also growing up was, uh, she had adolescent bipolar. So, um, and that kind of spearheaded after my parents divorced. So, you know, I just had a lot of responsibility too, as a kid, um, not anybody's fault, but it was just life, you know? Um, I, my mom was a single mom of three girls and, I'm the oldest, so it's just that's kind of how things happen. But it allowed us to talk about it, It allowed my mom to say that she felt guilty for asking me to babysit at ten years old or whatever. And I'm I was like, No, mom, that like made me who I was. And I think she's super woman. I've always said I wanted to be the kind of woman my mom is. So, you know, it's just it's allowed us to have those conversations. And it's just we're so much closer now. And it's healed a lot of the stuff with my mom and my dad's divorce, like you know, for her to be able to see him as like past, you know, the man that broke her heart. But, you know, as a man that's like really hurting, and he's struggling, and he doesn't want this disease. Nobody wants it.
1: No, absolutely not. Nobody wants this, you know. Um, So real quick, um, let me ask you this, because what's also very important when it comes to recovery, when it comes to being part of a support group, and especially when you're in Alcoholics Anonymous is to have a spiritual condition, mm. a relationship with with God, with a higher power. How do you maintain your spiritual condition your your conscious your conscious contact with your higher power?
0: Um, I I've always had a a deep seat of faith. Like my church was my safe place growing up. You know, where like my home may may not have felt safe because I felt like I put a lot, I had a lot of responsibility or had to take care of all these people. You know, but my church was where I could like be free and be me and just just be and I could go sing or play or whatever it was. So I've always felt that safety there. But my youth group pastor, when I was in like sixth or seventh grade, he really instilled in me to like, look at God as just your friend. So he's just somebody that you like walk with. And you talk to him like you would a friend that's just riding in your passenger seat in your car. And like, you don't have to talk out loud, but just kind of go through your day. And like, it, you can even talk to yourself, you know, like, I've really come to believe that like, I am, as you so many times throughout many different religions. So, you know, God is within us and we are God. You're created in the image of God. And so it's really deepened my faith is this, this work, um, because I've just been able to see God in, in the dark places. And I don't think I ever did before, Right. but now I can look at my own situations or my friends situations and see that how God is just like molding them. And it's just, it it gives me so much joy. And I'm not saying don't go through the darkness because we have to go through it, um, in order to really process things and move forward and grow, but it's just allow, it's, it's brought, the recovery has just brought this whole like lens of faith to my life, which has been so cool. But in journaling too, I journal, um, that's, I've always done that, but I do that even more now. Um, and just really, um, just staying in a place of gratitude. And, and when I start to spiral, I kind of kind of come back and like check myself and like, what are you grateful for? And I have, like a, it's like a five minute journal thing on my phone. Um, it's an app. And every morning it prompts me and it says, you know, what are three things you're excited about today? And then it's, you know, and then you start the day with, you know, something that you're grateful for too. And then at night it prompts you and it's like, what are three amazing things that happened today? And then something you could have done better at. And then you can like add a picture and yeah, it's really nice that it just pops up and, and does that. And also recovery literature, like the language of letting go and um, all the daily readers, those have been like cornerstones for me.
1: Beautiful, beautiful. You're doing a lot of work. I love it. Oh, I, love I really, I, was, <laughs> I
0: just, I didn't realize how much I had been affected by it. And then once I did, I was like, I don't want to be that person. That's like not who I am. Like I need to shape up. And I was, just, I was just embarrassed, honestly. And I just was like, I need to put this first, because until I get my head and my heart right, then like nothing else in my life is going to be where I'd like it to be.
1: Beautiful, beautiful. So I want to go into the song, but first, I want to get into your story. So what I want to do first right now is I want to turn the show over to you, Bryn. I want you to share your story with us, the battle you and your family faced against your dad's alcoholism, the wreckage it caused in your life, uh, your family's rock bottom moment, and finally, your journey into recovery up until today. So Bryn, take it away.
4: Oh,
0: thank you. Um, Yeah, so my dad had always, I think, drank like recreationally. And then, you know, the the classic alcoholic switch happened. I think when uh, Hurricane Andrew hit and 1992. My mom was eight months pregnant with my little sister and we had my other little sister was one and a half and I was four, I think. Yeah, I was four and a half. No, I think I just turned four. four, Yeah. So, um, hurricane Andrew just wrecked our house and we had to go and live for like eight months at my grandparents' house, but my dad stayed back in Miami to, you know, oversee the construction and all this stuff. And so that isolation and just the devastation down there just kind of spearheaded his alcoholism and just switched it. And he became, you know, he moved from just drinking beer to drinking heavy vodka all day. And, you know, then he would come up every so often and bring it with him. And, and it just, then he became a violent drunk and my dad was a different person it got really ugly for about like a year and a half. And then my mom was like, I'm not going to raise my girls around this. Like you need help. And the doctors gave him like six months to live because his liver was in such bad shape. Mm. And so, yeah, they divorced and my mom went back to, she moved us to Virginia where her family, um, our family lives and my dad and mom are both from there. So we, she became a single mom and I was in third grade and, had no friends. And <laughs> I remember like music being my only friend. I would just come home from school and just like listen to music all day. So that was really great. But no, like dad, um, that next year, I think for him was really ugly. Um, his alcoholism was just, he basically just said, I don't care if I die, I'm just going to die. You'll find like, um, and my grandparents helped him get ready and get, you know, into recovery and joined a rehab facility there. And he met his, my stepmother in AA and so they got married like a year and a half later and, you know, they started a new life. And so I think I always felt like unwanted because it felt like dad's, you know, once he got better, he didn't want us anymore because he had this new life. But it was really just the shame of like the wreckage that he had caused us. You know, he just didn't know how to show up, right. you know, in our lives. And um it made him just scared to try, I guess. And so, you know, but we all did the best we could. and. I wouldn't trade where or how I grew up for anything in the world. I love where I grew up. My mom, like I said, she's superwoman. So, um, I I, like my uh, high school graduation was themed, uh, it takes a village, because I just had like (laughs) all my friends' families. I was like the adopted best friend. And I just found this out recently, but I guess my mom would go whenever I would get close to a kid, you know, at school and started, you know, doing sleepovers and all the things, like activities, she would go to their families and say, like, look, I know like I'm a single mom and Brynn doesn't have a dad or she has a dad, but he lives in Florida. And I want you to know that like, I'm just grateful for you guys pouring into her and like, please don't bring it up with her. Cause I don't want her to ever feel like she is missing out on anything. And I never felt like I really missed out. And I loved that. I just had all these like families that I felt a part of. And my mom is, is amazing. And um, all of her family lives close by. So that was really awesome. And I guess they all made a pact to raise us, as their own. Like, so all my aunts, I feel like I'm their kid and my sisters feel the same way and we're just really close. But then probably in 2010, my stepmom got cancer and that brought up a lot for, and she died in 2012. So two years after my, you know, my dad reached back out and, and said like, I just have a lot of regret for not being there more for you girls. And Marie has expressed a lot of remorse for not being close to you guys and not encouraging me to be close to y'all. And so I'd really love to take this opportunity to kind of restart a little bit. And I, at first I was honestly like, man, I don't need you. I'm good. You know, like got this far. I was already in college and definitely was bitter. Um, yeah. I had a, had a big old chip sitting on my shoulder, but I owned <laughs> it. Like that was my chip. And it like was part of who I was, you know, I was like, I'm like this spitfire because I got this chip. Don't need no daddy, you know?
4: <laughs> um,
0: and, uh, but like, you know, my boyfriend at the time said, Brent, just like, he's trying got to give him some credit. And I'm like, why do I have to give him credit? Like, <laughs> yeah, I was so mean, but I was like, okay, fine. And so it started, we like every few months we'd all meet up and go to the Smoky Mountains or whatever. and you know, just got a lot closer. And then after she passed, he um, stayed sober for almost a year, I think. And then he said he had this thought creep in that said like, Oh, hey, Michael, like, and he, he ironically, he then became a single dad, because I have two half brothers. They were um, 12 and 11 at the time. So he was like, working full time. He's a hurricane research meteorologist He was working full time, taking care of his sick, dying wife with cancer, and being a full time dad. And doing it well and he kept going with all of that even after she passed like being there for the boys and working and taking care of the house and he said he just got overwhelmed and the grief hit him and he got the thought that said like Michael just drink a beer or it'll take the edge off and he did and he said after that it was like it was worse than it ever had been the cravings and he sometimes he would drink up to like four bottles of vodka a day
1: oh my god
0: yeah and so within 6 months the boys had moved in with their grandparents and he lost custody of them. And we had already like, we were like close. We were all like, we're super close now at this point in time. So, you know, the grandparents are calling us and we're like, you know, my sisters had to, and I had to get involved with like our brothers like care now. And, um, and it was just, honestly, it was kind of weird because we had kind of just met them. I don't even think we met them until they were 10 or eight, maybe. So, it was just a whirlwind, you know, but we could see like dad was really suffering and and he fought it. I mean, he would go and check himself in the hospital and then he went to like an outpatient program and it just, the disease is just so ugly. But then I went there for Thanksgiving that year and he sat me down and I was like, "Bren, I want to, I need your help. Like, can I come up to Nashville and go where your friend went? Cause I had a friend that he, my dad helped me with my friend's intervention a couple oh. years before
1: that. Awesome.
0: Yeah. And, you know, my, he said, your friend's doing so well. Like, you know, can I go there? And I said, yeah, dad, we'll go tomorrow. We'll go whenever you feel ready to go. And, and that's when I went to the family program and my recovery journey started. And, and honestly, like dad's, ha- it got, it's gotten really bad. He's been doing amazing for about two months now, I think. And this is the longest sobriety that he's had since 2014. So three
1: years Oh wow. So he's got he's got two months just barely
0: just barely two months. Two
1: months right now. So he's been battling this out tough. Wow. Yeah, he's
0: spent more time in rehab and in the hospital in the past three years than he spent out. Wow.
1: It's really yeah. bad him.
0: Yeah. He had um well this past time he had a brain uh, a brain bleed and he doesn't even know how I got it.
1: What is that?
0: And he's been starting to see um a a hematoma It basically <gasps> Because alcohol oh. eats your blood so much that your the blood blood vessels in your brain they burst, and he was starting to get like mini strokes from it. Jesus. And you know the the housekeeper would come over, and he'd have like, half his face would be paralyzed, and like it was ugly. And uh, and so that really woke him up, and you know, and then he started doing something different. You know, every time we said like, Dad, what can what's the little thing you can change? You know, and. I was like, what would your ideal recovery plan look like? You know, and so we wrote it down and it was like <laughs> go biking with the boys once a week and go to celebrate recovery and his AA meetings and call Bryn every Thursday and, you know, write in a journal or, you I mean, we wrote all these things down. And we even wrote it down to like life and work and like spiritual And then like recovery steps, we wrote recovery steps for each one, each category. And then we, I signed it off. I signed off on it. His next door neighbor, who is his best friend, signed off on it. And he did. We all took pictures of it and had it on our phone. So that way, you know, we could be a support system for it. And, um, and we just all kind of came up with this idea together. And, uh, I just think it shows that like recovery is like personalized for every individual, you know, it doesn't look the same for everybody, No. but we have amazing tools. It's just people have to figure out what works for them. But but yeah, thankfully he's doing he's doing well. He's got two months, and he it's so funny and and beautiful. Like he's excited about this song. Like I did, I was nervous to play it for him, and then he heard it when he was in rehab. And
1: uh, well, I heard a little bit of the. I read, I I I saw one. Of you. I saw actually. Oh, the
0: behind the story. Yeah, yeah, I
1: saw the behind the story on that. So so give us that. You know, like so so tell us how that how that all came to be. How how that evolved because it's a, it's a really cute story.
0: Yeah. So he was at the Florida recovery center, which they're awesome. I love. He's been at some really good facilities and like do great work. But, um, yeah, so he's at the Florida recovery center and his therapist said like, Hey, Bren, you know, can you and your, your sisters maybe like write um a couple letters as far as like how his alcoholism has affected your life. And I was in the heart, the thick of my ACA work and kind of going through that personally. And I was like, I don't know if I'm ready to like, write a letter that there yet. I'm still kind of digging into it. But I was like, I had the song and I had had this song for like six months already. So I said, can I send you the lyrics? And I um, hadn't even recorded it yet. And she said, of course, you know, so she read it and then read it to him. And he called him, was like, it was hard to hear, but it was beautiful. And he said, it made him feel like his story wasn't so dark. And our family story like was not meant for something bigger if people could hear my song and then maybe have the conversations we never did. He said it made him feel like all of the pain that he's caused himself and the alcoholism has caused everybody else around him. It made it feel like a little bit better. But, and then like when I shot the music video, he like sent all of his friends a picture, like look at Bryn shooting our music. Cause like our song. (laughs) Isn't that funny?
1: That is awesome. But
0: it's just, it's great that like we can laugh about it. And it's like, the disease like when you're on the other side of it or like even when you're not you can still laugh about it like you have to to stay sane
1: yeah 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 well there's not too many of us that get songs from our daughter so so you finally played it to him i mean he read it first but i'm but did you play yeah, it
0: to him? I, I played yeah i played it for him and he thought it was beautiful and he was he said he was really proud of me for going there and, and saying those things that i needed to say and and I didn't do it conscious, like so. I guess that like I've really owned my chip, and so
4: I, um, <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I'm like cool with like having baggage and stuff. But right. um, but it just like came out, and it was like the little girl inside of me was just like, hey, guess what? I'm still here, and this is what I have to say.
1: <laughs> How old are you?
0: I'm gonna be thirty next
1: month. Okay, okay, man, you look a lot younger than thirty. You know, when I was watching it, <laughs> that's you, what everybody does. Yeah. I kept, 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 I kept waiting for the 20 something. <laughs> so well, I'm
0: 29.
1: Okay. Well, and, and another thing too is that as this interview's gone along, I go, the amount of experience you have and the way that you tell your story and the amount of work that you've done, it's really commendable. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and Thank I'm you. Sh- and I'm sure it has, you know, it's just made you the person that you are today. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, as as alcoholics, you saw what you know when your dad gave up the alcohol, who he became. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we're pretty, you know, amazing people, and yeah, and our children are pretty amazing too. Cause yep.
0: no, dad. Um, he says he said this from the beginning, but he says that you know people in recovery live the most like fulfilled lives, and they really are the people that you know, change the world and because they're able to be present and they're able to be vulnerable and feel things and because they they do, they do the hard work to get through their their disease that most people, you know, everybody's got a medicator, you know, it doesn't have to be a substance, you know, it could be shopping. I, I became a compulsive window shopper in the midst of my grief. So I didn't spend a lot, but I would go and just turn my mind off and just wander around bargain stores because I just needed somewhere i could turn my mind off
1: retail therapy yeah absolutely yeah
0: you know but people have like weird everybody's got a medicator and so people in recovery though they know what their medicators are and they've worked through them and they're able to be present and they practice service and they're spiritually connected and it's like i just think everybody needs to be in a 12-step group whether Even if it's, I pick my nose a lot, anonymous, whatever it is, you know, like, I just think it's like free therapy. Why? What did you not?
1: Yeah, it's true. It's true. So the name of the song is Daddy's Medicine. How many songs have you written?
0: Oh, a lot. This is definitely like the most personal and probably the saddest song. Yeah. (laughs) But, oh God, I have over like 300 songs probably. Oh my um,
1: gosh. Okay. So when did you... Yeah,
0: but I'm working on an album now, so... Okay.
1: Okay. When did this... When did you, uh, well, I'm sure you've been singing since you were a child. Yeah. Uh, But when did you start to veer into taking this professionally?
0: Right out of high school. I beelined to Nashville. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. My mom was like, she's not coming back. But uh, (laughs) my mom's a singer, too, so she gets it. And um, she's so supportive. And and so is my dad, too. Like, he just thinks it's so cool. Uh, At first, he was like, because he's a scientist, you know, he's like, uh... So, so when are you going to do the real job thing? And then he came to Nashville, and I played the, um, the Ryman Auditorium here, and he got it. It was like a light went off. He was like, that's my daughter. Do you see her signing autographs? That's my daughter. Like, he needed a proud dad shirt on. Um, so, and now he's like, tell me everything you're doing. Tell me about his songs you're writing. Like, it's really
1: cool it's it's sometimes hard Uh, the pragmatic mind has a tough time wrapping its head around the artist
0: oh and i'm very dual-brained so i have that's like a total internal struggle for me it's like you know am i still supposed to be doing this and you know but then songs like daddy's medicine come up and i'm like okay this yeah i still have something to say you know
1: you got a lot to say you got a lot to say your message is strong and you know i'm looking forward
0: I just, I hope people, I just want to, you know, be a, a witness to people to that, you know, it gets better and it's okay to not be okay. Because I think I didn't know that for so long that I, I just beat myself up like a punching bag my whole life and put so much pressure on myself because I didn't feel okay. You know, I just, I hope that people can, you know, hear my story and, and see that like, it's okay not to be okay. And it's actually more beautiful because if everybody's walking around perfect, like, why do we even need a God? Why do we need a spiritual connection if, You know, if we're the perfect ones, you know,
1: (laughs) absolutely. Yeah, no. And it's
0: more fun to be imperfect.
1: (laughs) It is. It is because you have to, you know, when you're scraping and crawling to get out of whatever hole you're into, it turns you into somebody else, you know, and it makes you resilient, it makes you strong, and it gives you, it gives you a different outlook on life. And, you know, all of a sudden, things click differently. Um, and you're mm-hmm. able to, and you're able to be more creative, you're able to be more of an artist.
0: Oh, yeah, that's been fun. Because of
1: the darkness, you know, and, and so, so it's exciting to watch it, to watch it happen.
0: Yeah, I'd be like a kid again. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, so listen, Brynn, let's start closing up. I'm going to ask you some questions. Uh, I normally ask this for newcomers. You're not a newcomer. So I've kind of changed the questions around. But it's all designed to inspire the newcomers. So are you ready?
0: Yes. And please, oh, I I just want to throw that it's out there that, like, if people want, you know, to connect in any way, if they want to ask questions or, like, you know, have a safe place to, like, share their story, like, I'm open. They can message me on any social platform and, you know, just feel like it, that's a safe thing to do because I know that a lot of times people feel weird doing that, but they might like hear the song and like want to share something, but feel like, oh no, I shouldn't. But I, I hope people feel like they can.
1: On that note, what is what is the best way for them to reach you?
0: Uh, I'm on all the social things, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, my website. You can get me through there at BrynBlack.com and
1: I think you can if you go to if you go to Bryn it'll plug mm-hmm. you right into all her social network uh, to her social networks. I will post these on her show notes. So, folks, go to Brin's show notes on the Sierra Podcast, and all her contact info will be there. I will provide it.
2: Oh, sweet! Thank you.
1: Okay, so number one. At what point did you have a spiritual awakening, that aha moment when you realized that you were powerless over your dad's alcoholism, but for the first time had developed the hope that recovery was possible for you and your father?
0: The first time, probably, I remember driving to the family program and my brothers were in the backseat of my car and this Bible app, like, you know, messaged me on my phone. and It was just a random verse. And so, and it Kept like dinging or whatever. And so when I got there, I looked at it and had never done that before. And I looked at it and um, I can't think of, I'm terrible at quoting verses, but it, it was something about, you know, how our burdens like aren't for us to carry. Like, you know, we're supposed to give our burdens away. And I think I had, as part of my identity was wrapped up in carrying my own and everybody else's burdens, that to see that like I wasn't designed to carry them, I was like, it just shook me. And um, I was able to really walk into that day of the family program and, um, everything kept coming back to that, um, the whole day. And it was just like, Whoa, this, (laughs) there's something else happening in my life. So I'm just going to let it go. I'm gonna let, I'm gonna flow with it. (laughs) It was like, God, just talking to me. And then I felt And it was also, it it was New Year's. I know exactly when it was. It was New Year's Eve. That day was New Year's Eve, uh, 2014. So into 15. And we met, actually one of my best friends now, but somebody that was at the family program, there, uh, she had a, she has a little boy that's about the same age as my brothers, and she was hosting a bunch of kids to do like the New Year's thing at her house. So I dropped them off and then went and like saw the guitar drop in downtown Nashville with some friends. But I had to leave. I was like Cinderella. I had to leave as soon as midnight struck because I had to go pick them up. And honestly, part of me was like a little mad, like man, his alcoholism's taking my New Year's from me too, you know?
4: Uh,
0: I was like my little kid, inside me was like pouting. And so I called like a lift because I had planned it all out perfectly. Like I parked outside of downtown so that way I wouldn't get stuck in traffic. But I called a lift or, you know, an Uber or whatever to pick me up, and we got stuck in traffic anyways. And so they were trying to reroute through this like alleyway, and there was a mountain of trash, just trash, Big trash bags, like in this alleyway, and then there was a car behind us. So we were just stuck in this alley, and I was like, "Screw that! I'm gonna move this trash. We're gonna go." And <laughs> it was the most—I th- was in my high heels, and it was the most therapeutic thing ever. Of like New Year's morning at like twelve fifteen or whatever, picking up other people's trash and throwing it to the side so I can move on. Like I needed that every New Year's. That was such a spiritual awakening and too, it was so cathartic because that's what we had been doing the whole week was just going through the trash in our heart and pushing it aside and clearing it.
1: What a beautiful story. And I can, yeah, that is absolutely what it is. If you can connect with that, it's absolutely part of your message. Universe is talking to you. And it's just saying, we're just moving this, you know, no matter what, you're just going to move this trash out of the way and you're going to move forward. Yep. And that's it. That's awesome. <laughs> and that's,
0: that's something that I use in my spiritual practice too. It's like just seeing all the funny things, like, you know, if like, I believe, you know, that, that the God, the universe created everything like yes. for, for us to receive and to cherish and like a lot, a long time for a long time, I didn't feel worthy of receiving that, you know? But, like, that's, like, a slap in the face to the creator saying, like, I know you made me, but I don't feel worthy of it. Like, yeah, it doesn't make sense. But um, just to be able to see it that and, like, have a sense of humor with the creator and uh, to be like, ha, huh, I bet you're laughing too, you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's true. You get all these God shots all the time and it's a wonderful thing. Where through you Through people rec- and you know, through, you
0: know, it's just everything's totally synchronous. Like, what's that word? Synchronistic?
1: So, yeah synchronistic or synchronized or yeah synchronized
0: yeah
1: you know what i mean and serendipity and all that kind yeah, of stuff serendipitous, it's, that's what there you go that's all good you know before i ask you the next question what's what's the big you know like what's your big plan like you've got an album coming out what's the name of your album
3: i don't know yet um <laughs> I'm,
0: going <with> it. <laughs> I'm going with it um i was just in la writing for a few weeks okay uh, yeah and Um, so daddy's medicine will be on there. Um, I have four or five other songs now, um, that'll be on there and we're going to put out another single, uh, this summer and then probably one in the fall and then put the album out in like November. Yeah. So that's kind of what the plan is to have this fun summer single, totally different than daddy's medicine, but still very me, And then I'm so excited. I just got the mix back today of a song called Running Young that um, I love it. It's very nostalgic and it's like anthemic and um, about just kind of growing up and, you know, how you look back at like your high school days or whatever those days are for you that you're just like, yes, we killed it. That was so good. (laughs) Um, That kind of feeling. So we'll put that one probably out in the fall, kind of like back to school. All right. Are you touring? Yeah, and then the album. Yeah, I'm booking right now. Um, I have some festivals and stuff locked in already um, for through June and uh, July. Um, I'm just trying to fill in some some dots in between them. So. All
1: right. Okay. Now, if uh, if if people wanted to find you or find out their tu- the tour dates, where are those listed?
0: Um, they will be. Or they're on uh, my Facebook, and they'll be on the website too. They're rebuilding the website right
1: now so no wonder uh, when i was going there i was like it was one page
0: yeah and yeah, yeah. Like, it's just the one major now
1: okay so they're gonna have all your tour dates are gonna be on there
0: yep they'll be on there and they're, they're on my facebook
1: too they'll be on okay. There. excellent okay i'll post that okay great so that's mm-hmm. that's that's what i needed all right so so tell us do you have a favorite book that you would recommend to our listeners
0: Ooh, just in general or i love to read in general. A recovery book? Or it could be recovery book. if you feel um, something
1: like you were really, you know, drawn to.
0: Okay, cool. Um, one of my favorite books is The Shack. Um, I know it's in the, the theaters right now. I still haven't seen the movie. But um, that book just came to me in the middle of college. And it allowed me to really see like a tangible picture, tangible picture in my head of like the – you know, everything I'd learned about the universe and God, like, um, and applied to a story that wasn't something you had to memorize. And, you know, um, it just, it was so transformative for me and, and I always go back to it and, um, use it throughout my life that, and, um, my new, uh, cornerstone book is big magic. It's by Elizabeth Gilbert. Um, it's just about creativity and inspiration and, uh, the universe and, um, it's just so i can't even describe how amazing it is it's it's from another world like she must have just been channeling
1: <laughs>
0: like the creative center of the universe when she wrote this it's just everything that i needed to hear
1: i love those i love those books and not only that the the movie the shack this is the third time in a week that somebody has su- has suggested that mm. So I'm going to put this out uh, as, as people are listening to this show. I'm going, guys, there's a message out there. One of them is, go see The Shack. Go see The Shack. Or read the book. Yeah. <laughs> it has to be done. It's in the stars. Yeah.
0: I haven't seen it yet but um, because I'm so tied to the book. But right. I, the more I've heard how great the movie is, the more I, I really do need to go.
1: That's what I've heard.
0: So now that I'm in Asheville, I can definitely make that happen.
1: Beautiful. Okay, so then uh, two more questions. What is the best suggestion you have ever received?
4: Mm,
0: to let my si- myself be loved. That was, I needed oh. that, to hear that permission from a friend of mine just kind of shook me one time. It was like, just let yourself be loved. Why are you fighting it from everybody?
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know, um, that same friend, she, We all we always joke, we're like, Sometimes you just have to make life work for you, you know.
1: That is awesome. I love it. Just let yourself be loved.
0: Just let yourself be loved. She just like looked right into my soul and was like, <laughs> I don't understand you. Well, you love so hard. You love big. like, But you're, you fight this from everybody around you. Like, wake up, you know.
1: It's true. It's true. That's awesome. All right. Great. And then finally, if you could give our listeners only one suggestion, what would it be?
0: Hmm. Just to like, just to give themselves some grace. Because I think if we give ourselves grace, then we can extend it to others more. But it's hard to give to yourself. So, um, uh,
1: it is true. Yeah, it is true. Beautiful. Wow, Bryn, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for joining us.
0: Oh, you're amazing. Thank you for doing the great work you're doing. You
1: too. This is great. Your story is powerful. And I hope that. You know, even though you're going to be this amazing country singer, you know, that, oh, uh, yeah. you know, you find time to, to share your story with, with people more often because, you know, there's, there's, there's children out there of alcoholics that need to hear your story. You did the work. You're doing the work. And it's why your life is the way that it is today. It's, it's a beautiful um, example of what happens when you do the work.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. I needed to hear that today. So, thank
1: you. You're a rock star or a country star. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's
0: well, okay. I'm genreless.
3: Ooh,
1: I love it. All right. So, folks, we have now reached the end of our show. Thanks
2: for joining us. And as we say here in Costa Rica,